Good morning. The first Bible reading comes from John chapter 20, beginning at um, verse 26. In the small print Bible, it's on page 755. I'm not sure about the large print Bible. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Thanks be to God for his word. Morning, everyone. Uh, the second reading this morning up on the screen there. Uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Uh, the big print, we're on page 1775, and the small print pew Bibles, we're on page 793. Starting at verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor slaves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. I have the, uh, the great privilege of answering um, your not-too-difficult questions, such as why is there, uh, why, if God is a loving God, why is there suffering in the world? Um, and the issue of the Israel, how to relate to the Israel Falau situation which is where I'm going to start this morning. Let me pray and we'll think about those some of those um, responses. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we try to work through various difficult questions that come up in our world, we do pray that you'll help us to understanding what you have to say to us and also uh, how we ought to respond to other people, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I start, I should uh, just remind you uh, uh, that, um, as some of you would already know, Alan Condy died um, on Friday, and um, his service will be here at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. I'll be taking the service because uh, Steve and Lorna will literally be in the air 
and so the, they won't be able to be here. It'll be a great privilege for me, as I was also involved in May's service, which was just ten months ago. So I feel for you guys. It's, it's tough. People have asked me to, re- to give some ideas as to how we might respond to the Israel Folau comment uh, that appeared as a tweet. And so I think that it's important, first of all, to bear in mind that with different people, we will say different things. To mature Christians, we might say one thing. To immature Christians, we might say another. To a non-Christian, we might actually start somewhere else. So all I can do is to just give you some general principles as to what has taken place and how you might go forward. And if you've got anything that you sort of want to uh, actually uh, comment on, then that would be fine. So the first thing I want to say is that our world has actually changed. Those of you who would be near my age and went to school in the 1950s, yes, there were schools in the 1950s, will remember that New Australians, for example, and that's what they were called, were called wogs, bolts or refos. Indigenous people were called blacks, abos, and it was publicly, you said it publicly. Um, A little like in America, you call people Negroes, and now it's not on. We've sort of moved. And there have been all sorts of changes. For example, my dad was the coach of the uh, local rugby league team and after the the games they would go to the pub and the whites would go inside and the blacks would stand on the footpath and the whites would have to bring the the, the beer out to the blacks who were not allowed in the pub. It's amazing, isn't it? They went off to war, they fought for us, they died. When they came back, they couldn't even vote. So that was the sort of world that we had. Uh, And it was not good. They were, you know, although I mentioned those things to you, that was a wrong approach to take. And those disparaging labels, hopefully we try to get rid of. But it's good to have that background to it. In fact, Johnny Warren, the great Australian soccer captain and SBS commentator, wrote a book about his life in soccer. It came out in 2011 and it was was entitled Sheila's Wogs and Pofters. Now, I wonder if that would ever get published today, you know, under that sort of title. There is a heightened awareness in our community, a good awareness for minority groups. And that, I think, is the, helps us to understand the outrage of some people to what has taken place. And Elizabeth Farrelly, who writes for the Sydney Morning Herald, um, said, why has this all blown up? And she pointed out that it is because we lived in a homophobic society beforehand but we are now trying not to live in that. And so we are addressing a different sort of a world. In regards to Israel Folau's um, tweet, 
Israel tweets lots. He has thousands of followers. And I went through a number of his tweets and there is a consistency in what he writes. On, For example, on April the 9th this year, he wrote, The devil has blinded so many people in this world. Repent and turn away from evil ways. Last year, in July, he said this, We are in the end times. Repent and turn to the Lord Jesus before it is too late. Turn to Jesus who will set you free. Now, of course, the tweet that caused so much difficulty was this. Warning. Drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, idolaters, hell awaits you. Repent. Well, how are we to respond to such a tweet? First of all, as I mentioned, we are living in a changing society. And while in the past homosexuals were once fair game, fortunately today that is not the case. There are many reasons why people have raised their concern. Peter Fitzsimons, who has declared himself as an atheist, which must be very sad for his parents, who are strong Christians and who actually, I think, were missionaries at one stage, but I'm not sure about that, but I know that they are Christians. He writes about his concern, and he says that he is concerned for teenage homosexuals, And he cites the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, which noted that suicidal behaviour amongst young ones was five times higher among those who question their sexuality than those comfortable with being straight. So he is saying that he's concerned, and rightly so, and we should all be concerned about young people and the terrible scourge that we now have of suicide. We do not want to have anything like that. So, what does the Bible actually say? Israel has made this list, but one of the points I want to draw out is that the Bible actually doesn't list sins in or, the, or behaviours in, in that way. I want to read to you a number of passages as to actually what the Bible says. It's important for us to bear that in mind if we're talking to people. And there is a subtlety that I want to draw out as we discuss it. Romans chapter 1 and verse 24 says, Therefore God gave them, that is people, over to their sinful desires of of their hearts to sexual impurity for for the the degrading of their bodies with one another. A bit of a difficult verse. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 9 to 21 lists acts of the sinful nature. It says this, 
The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In Colossians chapter 5, 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, it is important for us to bear in mind when we are talking to people that this is a list of behaviours. The Bible doesn't talk about people's sexual orientation in the way in which we talk about it today. It talks about sexual activity, not labels of people. Let me explain it this way. Now, I can only talk as a man, but I, I think that this actually might be true of all married women as well. I'm guessing, but this might be true. I think that if you are married to someone of the opposite sex, you actually were physically attracted to them. Am I guessing? Am I right or am I wrong? I think that's true. I know it's true of men. And so, the Bible is quite clear. There is a difference, and you see the Galatians passage does it. It talks about activity, not orientation. So we males who are married to a female probably had a sexual orientation towards that person. And that can well be so in that you may have men who are sexually attracted to other men and you will have women who may be attracted to other women. But the Bible doesn't call that sin. It is the activity of indulging. The Bible is quite clear. Sexual activity should be between a man and a woman who are married. And you see, this is part of the problem we have. We ought not... Be so you can have a homosexual orientation but not practice. And I think that's important. And there was an, an English clergyman who came out to Sydney last year who struggles with this and spoke, and he's written a book about it, about his own struggles with being attracted to men. 
So we need to bear that in mind when we're talking to people about it. The other thing is this, that the world actually struggles now to differentiate objectively about things. For example, if you talk about that, they'll say it's hate speech. For example, if you say homosexuality is sinful, the world actually responds by saying, you hate homosexuals. This is where we've got to. You can see it in the same-sex marriage debate. What took place was when Christians said marriage should be between a male and a female, the response often was, you hate lesbians and homosexuals. But, and this has come about because our world has moved away from any objective truth. You see, we live in a world where you, what you can do is what you feel is right. That's the, one of the problems we've actually got nowadays. And so what we need to say to people is, the Bible tells me that adultery is wrong but I will still love an adulterer. The Bible tells me that fornication is wrong, but I will still love those who fornicate. The Bible tells me that liars are wrong, but I will still love the liar. You see, most columnists who are opposed to Israel's comments, view them as coming from hatred. Greg Groudon said this. Greg Groudon is an atheist, but writes for a number of organisations about rugby. And he said, I respect religious beliefs as long as they attempt to embrace and encourage love of all and not incite hatred. And so we need to be careful how we say what we say, and I'll have a bit more to say about that in a moment. But we need to be able to say what we say and still respect the person and show love and concern for them. And we as Christians can sometimes not do that. The most loving thing that any of us can do is to tell people how they can be saved from hell and go to heaven. And the tennis legend Margaret Court said this, I understand why Israel is doing this. You want everyone to know Christ. And under it all, there is a great love for your nation and you wanting to know people what you have received. So... We are aware of the sin that people commit. Don't put labels on them, but try and work it through in regards to that. The third thing is that there is a clash of cultures here and it is really standing out for us as Christians. Fitzsimons openly said that Rugby Australia had no choice but to sack Folau for, and I quote, his homophobic rants. 
because of the fear of losing sponsors, fans and support. And one headline in a newspaper said, Falau must bow to a higher authority, rugby sponsors. Rugby is certainly concerned about losing their four million sponsorship with Qantas. When Paul went to Ephesus, he preached the gospel. He was there for three years. And at one stage, a silversmith by the name of Demetrius stirred up the people to such an extent it created a riot. His reason? People were becoming Christians. They weren't buying his statues of Artemis. His prophet was declining. And so he stirred up the people to oppose it. It would seem to me that that, while we must not impute motives, that that may well be one of the difficulties that is taking place in this debate. One of the things that it all, the debate also shows up is the hardness of people's hearts in regards to the gospel. As I've mentioned earlier, Israel's tweets had a common theme. He wants people to know the Lord Jesus. And some of the people who have commented and opposed him list themselves as sinners and they make a joke of it and they've listed the various sins that they've committed. You know, one person wrote, I, I, I fall into four categories and another person wrote, I fall into six categories. But you see, they fail to heed the warning that Israel has put there before them that all people need to come to a saving faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think I would approach it the way Israel has approached it. John 3.16, I think, is a good way to go. Think about it for a moment. For God so loved, it starts with the love of God. We are all sinners. We have all done things wrong. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Here is the way of escape for people through a trust in the Lord Jesus so that all who believe in him shall have everlasting life. And the last thing that comes is the judgment. Yes, we must never step away from the fact that there is judgment. But we also need to be able to put before people the fact there is eternity. It'll be a wonderful service on Friday in regards to Alan. It'll be sad and upsetting, but it will be wonderful from the point of view that he is now in heaven with the Lord Jesus and with May. And all of us who have lost loved ones, who believed in Jesus, who have gone to heaven, can look forward to that. And they're the sorts of things that we need to be putting to people. Not forgetting that there is also the judgment. We also could point out to people 
that there is an, an inconsistency in Rugby Australia's approach. Scott Johnson, the new head of Rugby Australia, said this. What I will say is we want a game that includes everyone. Yes, everyone but Christians who tells people how to get to heaven. It's inconsistent, isn't it? No? So, there are some thoughts on it. How do we go about it? What does the Bible say to us in regards to how to share and debate these things with people? When discussing your faith, Peter says this, we are to do it with respect and kindness. And Paul tells us that our conversations should be full of grace. We should never be abusive, vindictive, or demeaning of others in discussion. We need to respect their opinions. And we need to bear in mind that we need to listen to them first. Christians are always good at telling, aren't we? We want to tell people what we know. Now, it comes from a good heart, but we've got two ears and one mouth. And we need to listen 80% of the time and talk 20% of the time. We need to listen and then we need to answer in a respectful and kind way. And we need to also bear in mind that this issue in particular is very close to a lot of people's hearts. I'm sure that some of us here have it at home or at work or somewhere and we need to bear it in mind. And we need to bear in mind that in the end what we want with non-Christians is for them to come to a personal trust in the Lord Jesus. We need to bear also in mind that most people today have very little understanding of the Bible. Those days are gone, you know, where, where people knew what the Bible said. You know, here's a simple test. People say, well, I live by the Ten Commandments, and you could say to them, oh, right, well, what are they? Oh, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't commit adultery. Gee, you're doing well. That's three. What are the other seven? Oh, I don't know. You know, we really have this problem. And so we need to be careful that people understand. It's important that people stop lying, that people don't stop stealing, that they stop sexual practices which are contrary the word of God. But what we also need to bear in mind is we are beggars telling other beggars where to get bread. We too have failed. It's a very complex issue. I don't know whether I've covered the things that are in your mind about it, but we need to deal with it compassionately 
but clearly. And we need to speak into people's lives as to where they are at. I don't think it's helpful for us to label people, but we can talk about and say, fornication is wrong. God says so. It is for our good that we do not fornicate. It is for our good that we do not commit adultery. It is for our good that we do not engage in homosexual practices. God is the one who knows best for us.